Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Josh, co-founder of Urban Valor. Welcome to another episode of the Urban Valor podcast. Our guest today is Marine Scout sniper veteran Luke Hamilton. Luke was born and raised in San Antonio, Texas. His love for the outdoors inspired him to join the Marines. Luke signed up for the infantry and quickly became a scout sniper. In this episode, he talks about at least a dozen Taliban fighters getting eliminated after attacking Marines and running towards his team of scout snipers while conducting combat operations in Afghanistan. Luke owns a company called Center Mass where they build custom guns and do pretty much everything else related to firearms. If you enjoy this episode, go give us a five-star rating and leave a comment to help support our veterans. The bigger the community, the bigger the impact. If you'd like to contribute your story to Urban Valor or know anyone else who may, reach out to us on Instagram at Urban Valor TV or you can email us at team at UrbanValor.com. Enjoy the show. Rolling. What's up, Luke? much thanks for being here brother appreciate yeah, it man. thank you for having me uh let's just start out just uh introduce yourself and uh talk to me a little bit about where you're from and your upbringing uh my name is luke hamilton i'm actually from you know down the street san antonio texas uh born and raised until i uh went into the marine corps um i had a pretty uh my childhood was basically spent outdoors so okay. i didn't really all I did was go for outside from sun up to sundown. Basically, I was kind of kind of free to do whatever I wanted, which was bad because I didn't really have a father figure. Um, he was around, but he wasn't a father. Uh, but I would just and I had a couple of neighborhood friends that lived houses away, you know. So I was mm-hmm. just outside 100 percent of my time, almost was outside as, as a child, just roaming. Yeah. You don't really, you can't really do that these days anymore with your kids. It's not safe, but. Back then, you know, in the 90s, early 90s, it was great. We right. Were outside, could do whatever we wanted. It's kind of crazy to think about now because we were, you know, young and pretty much no rules, man. No right, rules. We right. just kind of were menaces to society. Yeah. And not really knowing what society was yet, you know. Right, right. So your dad, you, your dad was there, but uh, uh, was he like wor- a working man? Was he gone or what was uh, that? He was just, he never stopped partying out of... Uh, mm college or I guess high school he probably drank every day of his life from when he was probably you know low 20s to he died mm-hmm. and there he had medical conditions that he shouldn't have any been doing really anything on but he mm-hmm. that's what he drinking didn't really even kill him it was he had a brain tumor it was non-cancer there was no cancer in it or anything so they removed it uh, and then he didn't follow doctor protocol diet you know do this do mm-hmm. that you won't you know probably won't come back and he just continued to live the way he lives, and it came back and eventually killed him. But mm-hmm. he was never really, I mean, he took us, he, we did, I, I have memories of doing stuff with him, but it wasn't really, it was just kind of going through the motions type thing. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I guess that's how you put it. When did he pass away? He actually passed away when I was on an op uh, in 2000. Not an op, a fucking rotation. When I was contracting in 2015, I mm. think, 2015. Okay. Well, sorry to hear about your dad, man. It is what it is. He wasn't yeah. really ever, I don't really, he's, I mean, he was my dad, but he never really was my dad. So. Right, yeah. I had feelings for him, but it's never really anything. Right. Never really been anything to me, right. honestly. Right. Um, so what inspired you to, to join the military? Uh, I think it was the being outside as a kid. I was just, we were always pretending we were fucking you know, special forces growing up, like as, you know, eight-year-olds run through the bushes, you know, but I just, ever since I, my fondest meant, like my earliest memories are me 
pretending like I was in the military doing shit. Mm -hmm. And I've always had a, always as a kid, loved guns, loved firearms. Like when I say love, I don't know. I just, they're like artwork to me. Like guns are like artwork to me. Mm. And, uh, uh, can you tell us just what branch of service you chose to go in and maybe Uh, say that? Yeah. Why you chose that branch? Uh, I joined the Marine Corps and I just, that, that was the one to join. <laughs> that, yeah. that was what they told me to join. They're like, if you're going to go in the military and you want to go fight, join the Marine Corps. And I was like, all right. I actually, funny story, I actually told, you know, the days of going to the recruiter, the first time I went by myself, the second time my mom was like, I'm going with you. So she came with me. Um, my mom's a great woman, but she came with me um, <laughs> and we actually had a story fabricated that she thought I was going to be a tanker. Like in the tank, right. you know, not yeah. too dangerous because this was full on Iraq at war time and blah, blah, blah. Um, so she thought the first thing she thought for like the first probably, I think like, I think she didn't know until I went to my unit. So like she thought I was going to be in tanks all through boot camp, all through SOI. She didn't know. And then I told her and then she figured I was a sniper before. Like I didn't tell her much because I didn't want to. She worries, you know how moms do. I mean, she worries and worries. and I don't want to put any more stress right. on her. So I just trying to try to keep it in the dark, but it didn't. Yeah, didn't last. Um, what job did did you get to pick your job joint while you, when you joined? Uh, I picked O three eleven. Okay, uh, straight up, uh, you made it. But yeah, O uh, three eleven. I had no. That was just what I thought I was going to do. I was going to be an infantryman, a grunt, uh, and then it just the timing of me getting to my unit and having and you know that those couple weeks of uh, uh, time before my unit had gotten back from the rotation, I was able to. Uh, link up with a uh, sergeant that came over from another unit who was going to be head of the sniper platoon. And he trained a handful of us to join and do the in-doc. Um, but yeah, it was just a lucky timing thing that led me to become uh, or join or try, try out for the in-doc for the sniper platoon. Okay. So you join the infantry um, and you get, where was your first duty station? 29 Palms, California. 29, 29 fucking stumps, huh? These stumps. Um, talk to me about uh, what, what, what's the process like to becoming a, a, a sniper in the Marine Corps? Mm. Uh, it's really, well, first off, you have to have qualifications out of boot camp. And that's so why you have to have first class rifle score, first class PFT. What's the third one? Oh, ASVAB over GT score over 100 mm. is the third one. If you have those three, you can go to the NDOC. Um, the really, I wouldn't say it's really like, uh, there's not really much to doing those types of MOSs. There's, th- uh, th- there's a lot to them, but in order to be successful in them, there isn't much to it other than to, uh, be, have, be forward moving really and have a forward moving uh, mentality, um, and to have the will to never stop basically right there's really no special i i don't think there's really no special uh juice or sauce that to it it's just having that mentality it's a mentality more, more than anything else right and the heart to want to do what you're doing not just want to get the t-shirt yeah yeah I and those guys get in that you know in those mls fields those type of guys get weeded out fairly quickly because um, they don't want to be there Right. You have to want to do it. Yeah. Uh, they just want to yeah. wear the fucking cool shit. Yeah. yeah they wanted yeah. a beanie or a shirt or a hoodie or whatever you want. Right, right. Um, well, but you do have to go through a, fuck, a course, right? It's sniper school. Yeah, you go through an in-doc. So the, the, form, the, 
the unit, the, the snipers in that unit will put on an in-dock. It's just like a week-long little haze fest. Um, they just see, they, they push you how far you can go. They, uh, they sleep deprive you. They don't give you food. They just fuck with you. It's just like a, just like you're, it just prepares you for the fuckery to come basically on the path of being a sniper. But, uh, did the end doc passed it. And then luckily me, and I was a PFC at the time and me and one other guy were selected to go to scout sniper school as PFCs. And you can't go to sniper school as a PFC. You have to be a Lance Corporal. Mm. So I got hastily promoted, uh, another timing thing. And me and this other PFC, straight boots didn't have a fucking fuck all clue what we were gonna like you know what we were getting into really like yeah. we kind of did because we were spending time with uh, the the platoon as is but two boots going to sniper school um and we went to sniper school past um sniper school was in camp pendleton california um and it was three month long i was the last uh sniper class to go through the course before they changed it basically it went from like uh i think it went from like 13 weeks to nine weeks or mm. something. And that's when they changed it to MOS from 8541 to 0317. Mm. Um, and that was in 2007 and eight, right there, right when uh, December, 2007, January, 2008 is mm. right when that happened. So I heard, I hear uh, sniper course is one of the hardest schools to pass in the Marine Corps. How, how, what would you think? What do you think about that? How was it for you? I would say mountain sniper in February is harder to pass than uh, SSBC, the Scout Sniper Basic Course, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Uh, Scout Sniper School is, like I said, it's a mentality. If you want it, it's not hard. Honestly, it's not hard if you just, uh, if you want it. If yeah. you want to be there, if you want to be doing that, if you can see the, see, if you can see, you know, the vision in front of you of what you want, it's, if you, if you want that, then it's not, I mean, it's, it's really not hard. It's just yeah. doing, doing what you're told. Yeah. Really yeah. Nothing nothing that anyone can't do it's just a matter of wanting it well i just heard a lot of people drop out like during the stalking phase stalking was probably the hardest one of the harder phases i almost failed because i uh couldn't draw field sketches i almost failed and got dropped because i think my average was like 72 and i think they like gave me cushion because but i almost failed for not being able to draw holy shit that would have sucked i would have had to come back and work on my drawing skills, but yeah, I had I, I almost failed because that was the closest thing that uh, that probably uh, that I almost had to come back for. Uh, stalking for me was more uh, after learning how to stalk and what you know the basics of stalking are and what the, the what what you're trying to accomplish. It became it's only, it's a game and it's a lot of fun. Um, it's even more fun to probably do it, you know. To an enemy, but I never really got to stalk anybody, unfortunately. Not that type of stalking. Mm. <laughs> but right. uh, stalking is a great tool to have in the toolbox, and it's a great uh, it's great to learn. It's great to put yourself through because it takes a lot of discipline and a lot of uh, a lot of decision making. You have to make mm. really, you know, yeah. You're, if you make the wrong decision, you're, you bust it. So a lot of patience, huh? Patience, uh, yeah. So you get done with the uh, uh, sniper course. Where do you what, where do you go from there? Graduated, uh, dis, or graduated sniper school December eighteenth, I think two thousand seven, and then we were deployed to hit Iraq January eighth, two thousand eight. Mm. Um, so just a couple weeks later, we deployed. Yeah. So now I went to hit Iraq. 
Um, now, did you go over, uh, were you part of a Mew? Did you go over? No, we just went, flew right just over. Just flew right over? Yeah. Oh, okay. Right into, what was it? Uh, what's the big airport there? Al-Assad? Mm, yeah. Al-Assad yeah. Um, talk to me about that deployment, man. What, what was it like? That for deployment, you? honestly, it was kind of boring. I hated it because it was boring. And the reason I joined the Marine Corps is to go fucking go to war. And the war seemed over by the time we got there. I mean, there was a little IED interdiction here and there, a couple skirmishes, really small gunfights, but like very little just boringness. But what that did is uh, prepared me for my Afghan deployment. And there's really, I really have my Iraq deployment. I mean, there's really nothing. Yeah. That, like, well, was shitty. It was hot as fuck because I was there all summer. Um, and the missions we were running, the movements were pretty brutal. Um, and it kind of just prepared. It kind of just let me get a pros and cons list in my head of how things should be running on missions. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I, we came back from that. I think that was a 10 month deployment. And then we came back from that. Um, and then again, came back from that and it was just all at school. School. Yeah. What, uh, what, um, what kind of things would you guys do? Uh, to pass the boredom um, out there in Iraq, uh, like during your downtime, or <sighs> stare at the wall. Uh, <laughs> we had luckily being in the sniper team, we had access. We could shoot kind of quite a bit because we. I mean, if we don't shoot, then our weapons can't trust them. So we got the we got to shoot quite a bit. Um, the gym. I mean, I pretty much that's in the Marine Corps on that first deployment. It's kind of when I started hitting the gym, basically, mm-hmm. and that was. Another probably, if you weren't prepping or cleaning your gear, cleaning your weapon. uh, We also had those little portable DVD players. Mm. And then we got, you know, the $5 burn DVD that you see the people walking in front of the screen. Yeah. Those. uh, A couple guys had laptops with Super Mario games. Oh, shit. With the, sorry, not Super Mario, Super Nintendo games with the actual controllers you could plug into the laptop. Yeah. So we've had some, uh, some, uh. What is it? Uh, what's the go kart one? Oh, Mario Kart. Mario Kart. We had some Mario Kart. Uh, that was a days. fucking fun game. Fuck dude. yeah! But then if I mean snipers were always hounded. All the higher ups hated snipers. I don't know why. They just do. Uh, I guess a lot of butt hurt. A lot of feelings probably. Um, but mm. you always have that risk. So you can't really get too crazy because if you do, they'll come. Why the fuck are y'all playing video games? Y'all yeah. should be. You know. Trimming your fucking mustache, mustache yeah. hairs, you know. You get too comfortable, people fucking find shit for you to do. Yeah, fuck. I need Police a working, call, working party. <laughs> yeah. So um, you come back, and then how much time? What was the time gap be- before you were in Afghanistan? And I was in Afghanistan by October two thousand nine. Mm. Okay. And what was that? Talk to me about that deployment, man. What was Afghanistan like? Um, Afghanistan from coming coming from Iraq where it's mainly flat and really nothing then flying into where you're going to be, you know, running missions. It's pretty fucking humbling. You're like, fuck like the, just the size, sheer scale. Like it's almost, it doesn't look like, you know, it's this world almost. You never, you don't really see, unless you're from like, you know, Yellowstone or some shit, but you don't, the, it, it's just otherworldly basically. And you, and you're just, really humbled by the fucking sheer size of mountains and and we were just in the foothills too we weren't even in the really the big you know up north really we were in the foothills of of the uh hindu kush in the northern mid helmand but uh it's uh it was crazy to see and then 
Uh, flying in was pretty gnarly because it was all combat landings, even in the chopper. So it was crazy descent. I never had a fear of flying as a kid. Uh, I'd always loved flying. The Marine Corps ruined that due to the Afghan deployment because of the Hilo experiences I had. But mm. uh, yeah, Afghanistan is a different animal than Iraq. Uh, different animal as far as terrain and people. Yeah. What kind of uh, what, what 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 kind of Hilo experiences did you have? Sandstorms, being in sandstorms, um, just being in an osprey is terrible. Uh, being in an osprey at night is even more terrible. <laughs> uh, and just hearing about all the crashes. I mean, you hear about a crash once a week over there, especially on all the ospreys, and you're having to get on them all the time. I was actually on a, uh, an ARF team, an aerial reaction force team, for about a month flying around in the, and they were new at the time. It was the new Yankee. It was a Huey, but it was a Yankee. It was the one with the Cobra engine. The four prop instead of the two, very maneuverable. Um, and those fucking asshole pilots, not asshole, but if it was boring, they would, I mean, they would fuck with you and they would map the earth, they'd go straight up and you'd just be floating in the, in the, in the oh, cabin. Shit. And you're, and they're doing all this as you've been in there for like, you know, two hours holding your pee and you've got to probably, you, you got to piss real bad. It wasn't always like that, but they also, contributed to my fear of flying now because of the shit they did oh, um, man. and one of them was a female it was a female uh pilot and she was the crazy she was probably the craziest one <laughs> and we would i mean not to get weird but i mean we were it was like month like five or four or five in a deployment and walking up to the 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 pads the helo pads uh to get on you could you could you could tell it was going to be her because you could smell her from like you know two hundred yards away like get a mm. whiff of her perfume be like oh she's flying today it's like I'm not getting in hers I'm getting in the I'll be the follower today I'm not getting in her Dude. fucking ride isn't that fucking crazy like you because you're used to the fucking smell and if a Dude, you're you yeah you're used to how bad you stink you don't even smell how bad you stink but if you smell something slightly <laughs> that smells good it's yeah. like oh wow and it's you it. It honestly triggers a lot. Like it's, yeah. uh, and it, it is also nice just to smell like a smell, like a woman's smell. It's like, oh fuck. <laughs> Remember, okay. <laughs> Your wife's gonna see this and say, "You're you smelling other women <laughs> what in Afghanistan." Women are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, funny. So, um, was Afghanistan a little less boring for you? Very, yeah, very less boring. Almost every mission was. Uh, it's actually hard to think of a, of a, of a mission we ran and th there wasn't some incident. So, yeah. 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 A, lot of, a lot of call for fire. A lot of, uh, a lot of call for fire. Yeah. Yeah. Do you recall the first time you got into some heavy contact? Yes. Our very first, <laughs> we were ripping with Hawaii unit. God, we were ripping with them. Um, I forgot the unit. What's a Hawaii unit? Three, two. Yeah, it's three something. I three think, two yeah. maybe. It was a Y unit. We were ripping with them. It was like day two after been there. We were gonna go out on a mission with them. They had intel because they'd already been there for months, you know, and they had a bunch of intel. But they were like, man, it's been pretty boring. Like it had a lot hasn't happened in the past. It was winter. It was like heavy winter when they were there. We showed up, and it was still weather was pretty nice. Mm -hmm. um, but our first op with them, uh, we were in a place called Golistan, and the only way to get there was either airdrop or the log trains would have to come up this huge wadi, like a two hour, it was like a two hour up a wadi. You have to go real slow. Um, and there was a bunch of IEDs always going off in this one particular area. 
Mm. And there's a wadi village along the wadi, and then there's a big range behind that ran like the whole stretch of. Uh, and our mission was to see if we could go out there two days before the log train, try to find guys putting IEDs or whatever the fuck, whatever, just get intel, find what's going on, whatever. Um, insert first mission kicked my ass. I never mentioned, but my back's bad. Uh, I had a bad back before the deployment too. Um, in that first mission, I walked point. I was point man for my team. Um, but my back started going out. I was like, fuck already. Mm. And it was like, it was literally like an hour into the first mission. I was like, and I talked, I was like, my teammate, I was like, called him up. I was like, dude, I got to sit down for a second. Like it's seizing. Like, and at that point I was like, if this is going to cause me to leave this, I am, I was just dead. Like in my mind, I was freaking the fuck out, sat there for a few minutes and just started going again. And it, Pain went away. Fuck it. Mm. Went through it. Pain's gone. But first mission, um, we're set up. Log train. We were already there a couple days. Haven't seen shit. Log train's starting to come up. Log train takes heavy, heavy contact. Like machine gun fire, mortars, RPGs. And we're just like, holy fuck. It, the mission's panning out exactly as it should. Um, and we're all, we're, it's a log train enemy in a village and we're behind them and they have no idea we're behind them basically um the fire the gunfight starts and it takes us like i mean we're we're five to seven hundred yards away from this uh, elevated mm -hmm. um so we're looking down we see the log train returning fire um we cannot spot them though we're like fuck where the fuck are they? it felt like forever it felt like fucking 30 minutes had gone by before we found them Finally, we spotted them, spotted a team here, spotted a team there, and started engaging them. And I, in my, what I think they thought is the log train was shooting at them. And they, all they started, all of them started falling back into us, basically. So it was like, it was honestly the best mission you could ask for as a sniper, basically. You mm. have guys that have no idea where you are, um, engaging a target who they, they think they're shooting at, but they're falling back into your position basically and you're you're at an elevated position so it was devastating for them uh no k in the convoy uh but i think it was 12k for them um one lived um but he had taken <laughs> this guy lived he i think he was uh he got shot by all three of our weapon systems he got shot by a 556 through the hand he got shot by a 308 through the bicep and then he got shot by a 50 cal through the hit, but it went through soft. It didn't hit any bone or anything. So the Rafas didn't uh, engage the Rafas round, the exploding uh, rounds right. didn't go off. So it just went through and through, but it completely pulled his butt cheeks like off oh. or his butt cheek off. He had to get amputated from the hip, basically amputate the hand. And I think, I think before we left for that deployment, they had put him back in that village as an example to be like, Hey, don't fuck around idiots. This is what happens. Yeah. Oh, so that was the yeah. first. That was our first mission, and the guys, the uh, the guys, the, the the Hawaii guys were so fucking pissed off. They were like, "Wow, you guys, we've been doing this. We've been doing this exact same mission for you know four, three months, whatever it was. And the first time you guys come out with this, it fucking happens." Yeah. And they, they were pretty pissed off, and they left, went home. Wow. But uh, that was our yeah. The first mission was very eye opening, mm -hmm. and it was like it really made it like real like. Oh, this is this is fucking war. This is fucking combat. Yeah. Yeah. When uh, uh, the guy that got shot with the fifty cal, did you guys end up having to treat him? We did treat him, and we thought he was going to die, man, because we were an hour and a half away from the kafab, mm -hmm. and he was in bad shape. Like we treated him somewhat there as best we could. I mean, we have 
you know, docks, they can do what they can do, but three right. gunshot wounds, a 50 cal wound, like there's not really much. You can wrap him, you know, give him an IV, but there's not really much we can do. So yeah. we put him in the back of the seven ton. He started praying, so we're like, oh, he's done. He's probably not going to make it. And he actually ended up making it the whole way up there. And then they had a triage team there at the, where we were, and they operated on him, gave him a fast one, uh, which is, if you don't know what that is, it's an eight-needle prong that goes into your sternum. It's press, and it shoots directly into your sternum and basically is the fastest way to you know get fluids mm. into your body. Gave him one of those, and then they got him stable, and they sent him to Bagram or wherever the... That big leather neck, maybe. I don't know. But they put him back. You know, like wow. I said before, at our end of the deployment, he was back in his village. So shit, man. So would you say that mission right there was, did that give you the perspective of like, okay, we're fucking in combat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That turned on the fucking, the gas. That was yeah. like, all right, we ain't fucking around. There is not a mission where I'm going to be complacent. This shit's fucking real. Unlike Iraq, where it was like, this again, like. I hate to say it, we could. I was pretty. I, there was times of complacency in Iraq, but in Afghanistan, there was no. You couldn't afford to be complacent, or you die. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you uh, did you lose any friends when you were out there? Um, we lost some Marines that uh, I knew pretty well. Um, personal friends, like guys in my platoon. No one, no KIAs for us. We did have. Uh, what made our deployment pretty crazy as well was uh, the first month we were there, one of our teams, which is six, was six guys at the time, so a significant amount of guys, um, their, I think it was like second mission, um, the point man stepped on an ID in and closed like a, a, a compound, mm. and basically that whole team had to go home. Uh, WMPT, Josh Sweeney, uh, stepped on it, um, and then it took out basically the whole team with shrapnel. Um, a couple guys lost, you know, partial limbs. Um, some guys took stuff to the face. But. Wasn't a good day. We were listening to it on the radio. That was probably the hardest day. Um, that was probably the most difficult day. Uh, that was probably the most difficult day there because we were listening on the radio to all this shit going on. Mm -hmm. And we were, you know, you know, 30 clicks away at another fob, like going, fuck, fuck. And yeah, it wasn't a good day. And then, the cat team that went out to pick up our sniper team uh, hit an IED on the way out. They dismounted, and then one of their guys, Cody Stanley, uh, a driver, stepped on an IED and basically blew everything off besides what was in his Kevlar. Then they had to send out another team. It was just a fucking shitty day. It was like a fucking wow. eight-hour-long process. The doc kept Josh Sweeney alive. Uh, like I said, he was a double amputee above the knee. Uh, I think Doc Wynn, or... Uh, I think he got a silver star for keeping him alive. I can't confirm that, but I think he got bronze or silver star for keeping Josh alive. Um, mm. But that hurt because it took out a whole team. So now yeah. instead of four sniper teams supporting a thousand Marines and Marine battalion, there's only three sniper teams supporting the whole fucking battalion. So we never, I was never really in a place longer than like 45 days. It was just living out of rucksack from fucking, you know, yeah. Moon, dust, moon dust camp to moon dust camp. You know? Wow. Um, so when you're running these missions, uh, how does it work being on a sniper team? Because you're attached to a unit, right? Yeah, we're usually attached to a platoon. Um, in Afghanistan, it was usually attached to a platoon or maybe two platoons. Um, and we would work directly with their um, higher-ups, their officers, and 
Um, so just support them mainly. Um, if we weren't supporting them on missions as like Overwatch or, you know, supporting them as going out to a location where they're going to be two days prior and just watching the area, giving them intel as much as we can. Um, uh, if we weren't doing that, we were just doing surveillance type stuff. Uh, uh, surveillance, kind of ID, uh, interdiction. Uh, but yeah, we just support the grunts, man. We're there yeah. for the grunts, and that's why we are there. Yeah. Um, did, you, uh, did you have any pr- close calls? Mm-hmm. Uh, Plenty. Uh, that first mission we got shot back at, but I honestly, it could have been the convoy shooting at us. Yeah. Yeah. It easily could have been the convoy shooting at us. There was a moment in time where we could actually see a guy, see us, it noticed us, like probably saw dust coming up from the, we had two Barretts going off. So mm. there's going to be some debris flying. Right. Um, at one point there was, I think one of their, the, the uh, Taliban guys with a belt fed, I specifically remember seeing him like on like a hay bale, like, like a wheelbarrow hay bale with a, with a belt fed pointed at us. Um, but even after the fact of that, we still took some more rounds and it could have been a boot on a gun in the convoy because they're just Motor T guys. I mean, nothing against them, but they just don't, they're trigger happy. You know, they don't really <laughs> confirm anything before they pull the trigger. Or, you know, they don't have that in their head. It's just, hey, there's movement, get online and let's fucking blast. Correct. Yeah. Uh, wow, man. How long were you guys out there in Afghanistan? We got there in October, left in... May, mm. I think. Mm. So mm. what is that? Seven months or so. Yeah, seven, eight months. Yeah. I think it was May. Maybe it was, maybe it was July. I don't know. But yeah. It was pretty, did it stay pretty active like that the whole time? Yeah, it was that? active. Like I said, I don't remember a time where we went out and it was boring or there wasn't an incident. Mm. It was just completely different. The, the mindset, I look back at it now, it's like, it, the older I get, the crazier it, it gets. Like, looking back at that time, the older I get, I'm like, what in the fuck? I was 21 years old. Mm. It's just crazy to right. think back. Because it, it really doesn't feel like this life, honestly. It, it, when I look back, I'm like, it's a, it was a different, Yeah. just wasn't even myself, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I was myself, but it was, the mindset was so completely ch- different than what it is today. Yeah, yeah. Um, was there anything out there that like kept you going kept you with a positive mindset to move forward um like one example would be fucking getting mail or something you know like um um i don't know what i didn't really give a shit about mail (laughs) some of the food yeah but i mean well were you married out there were you just no i was single man okay i was single okay um what kept me looking forward, man, I don't know. I think I was just like being so close to dying all the time. It kept me looking forward. It's like, God, I don't want this to feel like I'm going to die every day. Like mm-hmm. I want to feel, I want to feel what it feels like not to feel like this again. Like yeah. being so close to like death and fucking destruction. Um, it make, I don't know. It humbles you. It makes you like, there's, there's no time there's i don't know how to put it but yeah being close to death with for for an extended period of time will make you appreciate 
life way more, I guess. I don't yeah. know. And I, I was looking for that appreciation again. Like, I hope I do make it through this day so I get to appreciate being back home now. Mm, yeah. yeah. What, what are some of the things that you, that you thought about that you appreciated back home while you are well, out back there? Back then, just getting fucked up with my boys, you know? Right, Shooting right. guns and shit. But, yeah, I, it was just... It was the return to America to, to feel uh, what I knew. Only, the only thing I did know before the military, which was, you know, the freedom of America, how, you know, blessed it is to be just born here, you know? Right, so yeah. It was more so, yeah, getting that feeling back rather than, or looking forward to getting that feeling back. Yeah. Is what kind of kept me going, like... All right. Well, if you can't stop time, I'm here till then. So I'll just—it is what it is till then. Like, yeah. So. No, I tell everybody, man. I remember being out there in Iraq, and I used to pray, like, "Hey, this just yeah." They're getting religious. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I never used to pray or nothing, and I used to pray. I don't either. And there was a couple times where I was like, "Fuck!" I started praying. I don't know who to, but right. there's times where, like, in my head, I was like, "Well, I'll make peace in my head real quick." Yeah. Yeah. There was definitely times where I got religious. I'm. Mean, I was raised Catholic, but I'm not, I never really was, um, I'm not a religious person. I believe in a higher, you know, power, but I'm not a religious. I don't really pray. I don't, I pray for, you know, maybe family, relatives I'll pray for, but I'm not a a religious person. But there was times I found myself very religious. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. I remember thinking like, if you could just get me back to the United States, I don't give a fuck yeah. if, I, if I'm homeless for the rest of my life yeah. as long as I'm there. That you know was what, what kind of, that's why I wanted to go back. Right, again. right. Or that's what kind of got me through my days was like, I'll be in America again at some point. So. Yeah, yeah. Any, uh, any other stories from Afghanistan that uh, stand out to you? I mean, they're, they're pretty much, they're kind of endless. Um, there was just like Afghanistan. Um, I wouldn't say I, the stories. It's more so uh, Afghanistan, and, or just I guess deploying to a con- to war. Um, I really think it makes light your life easier afterwards. Mm. It makes life way easier mm-hmm. in a, in a sense. Now, it also could complicate shit, but right in a sense, it's it's a very uh, for me now. I'm very humbled, and I'm very uh, I, I'm not mad. I'm, there's no. Uh, n- Nothing can be wrong, basically, you know? Right, right. Because it's hard to get in a worse scenario than you've already been. There's not a scenario in the United States. Well, there could be, but there is not, there's no way that what, yeah, you know, we're in the land of the free, so. It would take a lot to get to that. <laughs> yeah, to, that would have to, to be significant. Point. Yeah. The world would have yeah. to be going to shit, but, yeah. So, how long did you stay in the Marines? Uh, 2006, got out 2010. Okay, Um and uh, so you come back from Afghanistan, how long before you made the transition out? So I got uh, out, let's see, I think I got out in September. I think we got back in either May or June. So a couple months. Mm. And then I was back and I was out. So talk to me about what that transition was like. Uh, I know earlier we were talking before this interview and you're saying you got into the contracting world, so it wasn't much of a transition, but what was it yeah. like going from the, the, you know, the government sector to like the private sector, essentially? Um, we just got paid way more to do way easier job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was fucking great. Uh, it was great because I was young. All I knew was Marine Corps, the shittiest equipment, the, you know, bullshit. Um, 
But I had plans to do this because there was guys that I was in contact with that trained me that got out and were contracting. So I already knew the whole contracting gig was there. And at the time, I was like, you're making a thousand bucks a day, man. 750 bucks a day, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I got out and already was prepped. I didn't know. I had just had applied to like all of them. I mean, at the time, there was like five or six different contracting companies. Uh, Triple Canopy and Blackwater being the biggest ones. That was right when Blackwater was going through their little fucking crisis. So I got hired by Triple Canopy. I think in, I think I got hired like in March or something, March of 2010 or no, March of 2011. So like seven months after I got out of the Marine Corps, six months after I got out of the Marine Corps, I was already training to go back over to Iraq. Mm, mm. Was the lifestyle different? Um, when lifestyle you- was very different. We had way more privacy. You had your own rooms. Uh you had a shower, you had fucking running water, you had chow hall. Uh, it was complete. It was, it was honestly vacation for a guy my age doing what I was doing at the time. It was fucking vacation. We got mm. could go to the range. Uh, we got a drill on rush every day for going out. You know, yeah. it was fucking great. Yeah. Um, and getting paid heaps of money that, and you're used to making, you know, $2,000 a month as a, you know, yeah. corporal in the Marine Corps. So. Yeah. Um, did you did you get into some shit contracting like never directly we never really directly got engaged or anything contracting there was a lot of shit happening um a few teams got hit uh the army that was there at the time when i was working for department of state at the time what was a big what was the new big latest and greatest thing the fucks were using was those directional ieds mm-hmm. with the directional it was basically like a big cannon yeah and they were using those and they were fucking killing a lot of the uh army guys coming in and out of biop which is our main route like that's what we drove most was route irish from the green zone to biop just picking up and dropping our everybody there was a there was a time where you know, three or four Humvees have been hit by these directional IDs where we would drive by every day. And we were like, why aren't they fucking hitting us? It's, and I think it's because they weren't sure if it was Americans in it or not. Like, cause everybody drove a lot of, a lot of contractors, um, even locals drove those suburbans over there. They right. weren't really, um, so I guess it was just kind of cause they were guaranteeing getting a hit, you know, an American yeah. casualty rather than not knowing. Mm. Um, but there's some definitely butt puckering moments over there in, in the green zone. I mean, rockets attacks are pretty standard thing, probably a few a week rocket attacks. Um, there was a bunch of stuff, close calls with like, uh, Ramadan, um, mm. time period. There was a lot of crazy shit always going on during those times. Yeah. Um, bullets coming through your hooch. Cause you just, there's literally automatic guns going off in the city all night, just shooting in the air. Fuck. And you'd have like, you'd have to... You wouldn't feel comfortable, man, because we were in tin cans, you know, and yeah. then you'd hang out in the, the bunkers here and there. But uh, never really uh, close calls, just more so enjoyment. Honestly, it was great. It was a fucking awesome job. Yeah. Other than working for Department of State while Hillary was in charge, it was pretty terrible. Was <laughs> shitty. Um, when uh, when contractors do get into some shit out there, does the well, military support or are you guys on your own? Uh, they don't really, they act like we're not even there. Yeah. Basically. That's what I hear. Now, that's if we're like, if it's, if we have an ass, if we have someone 
from the, the embassy with us, then yeah, we'd mm. probably get all the support we wanted. Mm. If we were just out like a cat team or something, some route uh, clearance team or whatever, the advanced team, they probably wouldn't do shit, honestly. Uh, being a contractor was hard to go from Marine to contractor because Marines are offensive. If we get shot out, we run towards it. Contracting is opposite. If you get shot out, you're just trying to get the fuck out, basically. Mm. Mm. Okay. And how long did you do that for? I worked for Triple Canopy for two or two years and then transitioned from Triple Canopy to SOC Special Programs, uh, working on OGA contract, which was even better than the Triple Canopy contract. Mm. Mm. And then, uh, so I'm curious, um, I know we mentioned it earlier, but uh, did any of this stuff ever catch up to you? You know, your experience in Iraq, your experience in Afghanistan, um, and then contracting, um, you know, did any of that catch up to you? And what I mean by that is there's a lot of vets that, you know, they turn into adrenaline junkies. And when Correct. they get that downtime and they, when you should be relaxed in a calm, relaxed environment is really when you start to fucking get all that anxiety where an average person will go to war and get that fucking anxiety. You know what I mean? So yeah. um, did it affect your mental health at all? Uh, I, short answer, yes. Um, but it, I feel like uh, mentally, I can. I'm uh, mentally, I'm uh, very comfortable with how I handle what it has done. You know what I'm, I don't, I guess that's how to explain it. Like you're able I, to manage it. Yeah, I can manage well. it. Um, or I have been able to. So there's been a couple times where I've been um, like by myself outside. Like sometimes I, there was a moment. Uh, I used to live in a condo uh, in like, these like white brick buildings, and I was walking my dog, and it was like nine at night, um, and there was like dogs barking, and it was kind of low light. There was a couple street lights on, but I like vividly felt myself walking down the street in Iraq that I can remember uh, that we would patrol down all the time, and I fucking could have sworn I was there just because it was like the perfect timing of like dogs barking, the lighting, like the noise, and I was just like. I kind of was like, wait, oh yeah, my fucking dog's right here. All right. Yeah. But it was kind of fucking eerie. It was like strange uh, feeling that. Um, and that's just a stupid example. I mean, it having that is very rare, I think, for most people. Like mm -hmm. having those feelings where you're like, oh shit, like you can't really decipher which is which. Um, mm -hmm. But I feel like, yeah, I can, I can kind of cope uh, and handle what, what it has done. And I just am. It more so humbles humbles me uh, than anything. It, it uh, yeah, it's calming almost. Yeah, yeah. Do you miss the military? Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, what, I was what, actually talking about it last night. Like missing, missing it. So. Yeah. What do you miss most about it? The rush, man. The, yeah. That that feeling. Uh, not, I guess not a rush. It's just the feeling of uh, I don't know. God possibly dying. I don't know. It's yeah. just, I don't know how to, I don't know how to put the, it. The camaraderie. Camar my brothers. Yeah. And that's kind of what helped me. Uh, I think helped me transition was going from military, to the contracting world, not just straight into the civilian world. Cause the contracting world is a little more lax in the military. Um, you're dealing with a lot of civilians. So like you kind of, kind of cushioned, uh, I think it cushioned me into transition in, into the civilian world, but that still wasn't easy. I was still like, what the fuck? How is this? How does everybody operate? Like this is ass backwards than I'm used to. Yeah. You know, just the, the, the definitely were, were times of struggle, but uh, 
Yeah. The, yeah. the contracting thing, I contracted for five years and that kind of like cushioned me into uh, the sibling world mm, as well. Nice, nice. Um, so what do you do now? Uh, I own a custom gun shop here in San Antonio. Uh, I do custom full build, uh, full built firearms. Um, and yeah, we do anything firearms related. We do, um, platings, coatings, milling, um, uh, laser engraving, complete builds. Like I said, um, there's nothing really we don't do nice at our shop. Yeah. Uh, what's your company called? Center mass fabrications. Nice man. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And uh, how could, how could people find you? Got a website and all that? Or? Website, Instagram, Facebook, Reddit. We're on all of them. Um, if you just Google Center Mass, it'll probably uh, and it's S I N N E R M A S S, like a play on words of Center Mass because the sniper. Uh, we all aim Center Mass, so uh, we just did it like mm. uh, like uh, Center's Church, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, nice, nice. Um, cool, man. We're getting ready to uh, we're getting ready to wrap it up. Um, but, uh, you know, before I do any last words, um, maybe some advice for vets getting out, um, how to prepare transition or whatever the fuck you want to say before we cut the tape. (laughs) Uh, man, I would just, I don't know the biggest side. I'm trying to think of something useful to, you know, (laughs) provide, but, uh, I would say just, um, let's see. Something useful. Well, let me just say, um, you know, from doing so many of these interviews so far, what, uh, you know, a common theme seems to be that they transition now and they're used to, you know, all this adrenaline and going on these missions or, um, not even necessarily combat, but, you know, you're always doing some shit. You're, you're working up for a deployment. You go on deployment. You do this. You're getting promoted. You're, you're reenlisting. You're changing whole assignments. And, and then they come out and that stops. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then they're like, you know, you come out and it almost feels like no, you know, the majority of the world doesn't give a fuck about no, what you yeah. did. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you could go to fucking apply for a fucking post office. You don't got fucking, if you don't got experience licking fucking envelopes. I don't give a fuck that you're a fucking sniper. You, you don't know how to lick an envelope. Yeah. So it's yeah. shit like that. But what vets do, they get the, you know, what I've noticed, a common theme is they'll sink down in depression. Yeah, um, it's very easy to go that route yeah. and fall into that hole. I just, all I think that is, is when guys, it's just, a, it's mental. You have to mentally overcome that feeling of not, you know, get, being appreciated. Like, that's something I've realized a lot opening a business is like, you can do great things and, but no one gives a fuck regard. Like no one cares. Like for me, I just put my head down and do what I do. And I don't care if what people think, I don't care if I get a pat on the back. Um, Obviously it's nice to get a fucking pat on the back, but I don't care if, cause, and this can go back to because the reason I don't care is because look how great it is just around me. Like I'm in America. I have the sun shining. I have my legs. Like why, is there a reason to, you know, make this time shitty because I'm sad in my, like, just cha- change your attitude, change right. your mentality. Right, right. Yeah. Awesome, brother. Well, um, appreciate you being here, Luke. Thanks for taking the seat, yeah. man. Appreciate you guys, man. Thank you. Push it to the limit, I can't go no more.